welcome to Zero Brightness. My name is Monica Coleslaw. I'm here with Lacey Townsend. We're here to talk to you about our periods. That's right. We're going to talk to you about menses, having the painters in, Aunt Flo is in town. Right, Lacey? Yes, I'm all about free bleeding. And if you don't like it, you're just wrong. We're free bleeding. Happy April Fool's Day. Uh, no, JK, we're not going to talk about that. Although I did once shed a cast in my uterus and it was crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds so artistic. It was fucked. <laughs> uh, no, this is a special April Fool's Day episode of Zero Brightness. We uh, are locked in quarantine with our respective partners. Uh, I guess they're just doing a little special ep for you guys. Um, it's special because we have uteruses. It is, yeah, yeah. That, that's actually the most special thing about me. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, like Lacey and I play video games too, and like sort of, sort of, yeah, sort of. Um, as I said in the last episode I was on that came out today, actually, this is actually my show now, um, first and foremost. <laughs> Uh, no, I mostly play farming games. <laughs> I like collecting stuff, running around, um, but I also like uh, cute indie shit. Uh, and we were approached, um, again, by our respective partners, um, approached in our homes that we can't leave right now. <laughs> and... <laughs> And asked to do an April Fool's Day episode, um, and because we have nowhere to go, we had to say yes. Um, so Lacey and I uh, have both played Night in the Woods, uh, which is cool, and so we're going to talk about that. Lacey wrote really extensive notes. Um, I was scared that I'm actually stupid, and Ali had <laughs> assure me that uh, Lacey's a teacher. Like, I know that Lacey's a teacher, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, those that's a uh, panic mode notes, <laughs> which I always write. When I was student teaching, they made us write literal scripts for literally every moment we'd have to teach something. And it was it was really like panic inducing, but I felt more prepared. So yeah. I'm kind of carrying that over here. <laughs> that's awesome. When we take notes for Demon Daddies, like it's normally just me like writing jokes. Or it's like, isn't it crazy when this thing happens? <laughs> also, this movie was made in 1982. <laughs> and it's like completely useless. Um, but I also cheated through the majority of my education. <laughs> so, Night in the Woods. This game is all about this cute little cat girl. Her name is May. She's 20 years old. She's read often as non-binary and pansexual, and she's really interesting. She goes home. After being gone for about two years, she dropped out of college, does not want to talk about it whatsoever, and she's going home to see her friends and hoping everything is real chill. But it isn't. True. Yeah. And she is really cute. She's super also. cute, but like really annoying at the same time like yeah, there's parts where you just hate her <laughs> yeah. but i guess that's like good writing because you feel that way about people too yeah that's true actually yeah i will say that the majority of the really cute people in my life are also really annoying yeah that's fair now that's that like they have to it. balance it <laughs> yeah can't have it all 
it's a little wabi-sabi in your life (laughs) exactly uh but yeah so may comes home from college it's a little like unclear as to why she came home i guess um she like really avoids any kind of details about it she's just glad to be home and is like she almost has like those weird like ptsd eyes when somebody yeah. wants to try to talk to it exactly talk about it with her yeah. yeah skirts around the subject a lot uh pretty skittish but she's trying to like basically like fall back into like or not necessarily routine it's almost like she came home uh expecting familiarity and wanting to like fall back into something yeah i think there's a lot in the game that has to do with like nostalgia and how alluring it is but also how damaging it could be as well so sure um i I think she definitely has that case of like homesickness she's hoping that she comes back and it's exactly how she left it yeah exactly and i think like they really nail the nostalgia in that regard because it's like anytime i'm nostalgic for something or if like like I'm from like a really small town or like with the holidays I'm like oh like I love Christmas and it's like I don't actually love Christmas I like am nostalgic for the feeling of like waking up on Christmas morning yeah yeah exactly um so she goes home and all of her friends who uh stayed in their hometown they all now have like shitty dead-end retail jobs uh, they also have a band, which is cool. They play in an abandoned um, party, like party supply store. I really loved um, them just kind of hijacking this abandoned party store. Yeah, <laughs> they just have these really like sad parties where they're reliving the the old heydays where everybody kind of knew how to play music, but yeah. like. Exactly. May's been out of practice, and so she's really shitty at it, or at least I was really shitty at it. <laughs> I was we had to like bad. play Guitar Hero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, also she like plays the bass, which is cool, but also like so sad because it's like I play the bass and like (laughs) honestly bass is like kind of like like a loser instrument. (laughs) No, like bass should be super respected because I I know jack shit about music, um, which is really ironic because I'm with James. Yeah, I just say it sounds great. (laughs) I have no idea about the inner workings of it. But like bass players, they're supposed to kind of like keep the pace or like set the pace. So it helps like other people in the band, right? Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, that is the case. But I think just like there's like i mean there's like bass face for example Mm. and just like a lot of cheesy people play bass like i don't know like we were watching uh through barry a couple weeks ago and i I, like left left to go to the kitchen and then i like started laughing because i just been in the kitchen like thinking about bill Hader, and then i thought to myself (laughs) i was like i wonder if bill Hader plays any instruments and i was like what the fuck monica but then the next day i really i learned that he plays the bass which is actually like makes total sense wow okay you you have something there Uh, that's, that's not dissing any bass players. It's just, I think you can kind of typify, like, you almost become like an archetype. Yeah, exactly. Depending on, like, what position you play. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, but yeah, so, like, May uh, has this band with her friends who stayed uh, 
in her hometown. There's three main ones that, that are really just prevalent within the story that are kind of central to her inner group uh, that she kind of relies on for support throughout the game. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the first person you meet. Is it Greg? You meet Greg, Greg first? Yeah, Greg is the first person. Greg has kind of become like this big fan favorite just because of how, I guess, extroverted and over the top he is. He's... Uh, Friggin' adorable. He's so um, cute. Yeah. <laughs> so a uh, cute thing about him, uh, he was actually inspired. He's he, he wears this little leather jacket. He's this big punk. He likes destroying shit at the job he works at. Um, he leaves work all the time. He's just total punk. And uh, <laughs> he's he was inspired uh, by this this weird punk guy. He was super funny on like this one ep- episode of like Judge Judy. Oh my and God. I, I found that clip of this this guy just talking. And he's in what? a leather jacket. It looks exactly like Greg's. <laughs> and he's just like spouting off all this shit. I'm like, oh, my God, that's great. Oh, my God. They got him. Cool. They got him so good. Um yeah, so he's this super cute extrovert. Was he like a like a fox or a wolf I think or so. Yeah. He's a canine of some kind. Yeah. Because uh, he's Adorable. a cool dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we get to kind of reconnect with the town a little bit through him. We hear a little bit about, you know, their friendship and... Uh, it goes pretty far back. And uh, when, when those two get together, they're just absolute... Uh, chaos machines yeah like it's destruction and it should be really like sad but they make it really cool like yeah Yeah. i want to go break a plate or something right now in my backyard after (laughs) experiencing their exchanges it's really cool yeah um yeah um and then i think after we meet greg he works at the snack falcon uh it's just this little 7-eleven type oh yeah yeah and uh he is uh in a relationship with this really adorable bear uh, named Angus, who works at a video store. Yeah, um, Angus was probably he, my favorite. Oh, he's so chill. He's like yeah. the only character or person in real life I've ever met that I loved who also wore a fedora. Yeah. <laughs> he's Great just point. so pure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my God. It just redeems every everything I've ever known. About, yeah, he like, does make the fedoras. fedora work. <laughs> he makes it work. And, um, yeah, so they're like perfect yin and yang. Um, he's like super chill, super quiet, calm. He's good with computers. He helps May, uh, get rid of like these pornography viruses that are on her laptop and like boot up this cute game that they used to play when they were kids. Um, yeah, they, this, this game has so many like games within a game that are totally functional. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Greg and, uh, Angus are like fixing to move. You kind of like slowly pick up that they're trying to get out of the town, which makes you like root for them more, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Like who doesn't want to like finally like ride off into the sunset with yeah. their gay lover exactly. in a small shitty town? Yeah. Like I am rooting for them 100%. Yeah, I would watch that spinoff. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they made Angus a bear because he's like in, in like... The nomenclature, I guess. I for, like, hope so. Culture. That's actually I really what I thought when him. I played it. I was like, oh, he's a bear, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never had that thought until just now. I was like, oh, he's a yeah. bear. Oh, what if he's a bear and a bear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <be cool>. uh, <laughs> uh, B. B is also oh in the band. And she's uh, May's like, former best friend from when they were kids. 
Um, she's basically um, a grouchy angel. Yeah, she is in every way. Yeah, um, she 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 is, looks like like some goth kid from the eighties. Like she has this big onk that she wears all the time. She always yeah. has like a weird cigarette in her mouth. Yeah. and she's an alligator. So yeah, she's, she's a goth alligator. It's sick as fuck. <laughs> uh, but her and me had been really close, uh, and then had slowly drifted apart. Um, I guess, and then at some point it's revealed that like B's mom had died of cancer during their senior year um and May completely forgets this for some reason which is like one of the many things that makes it kind of like difficult to sympathize (laughs) with May Uh, I don't know because that's kind of like a giant thing to forget that like your former best friend's, like, mother died in this, like, terrible way. Um, so it kind of, like, also, like, alludes to, like, me being, like, so, like, enthralled in her shit and so deep into whatever's happening or that she has, like, no real focus on anything else, I guess. Um, so B's, like, pretty resentful, um, of me in the beginning. Uh, just because, like, it's kind of suggested that May essentially, like, abandoned B when B had needed her, which is super sad. Yeah, it was it was really uncomfortable when that conversation uh, unraveled. Um, May, May goes to this party, she gets really drunk and sick, and then B um, very kindly drives her home. She just drives her home all the time. So, like, yeah. even if she has, like, so much spite for May, she just comes out 100% clean every time in those exchanges where she tries to be the better person and just does what's right. Um, And that's where where May finds out that yeah, her mom passed away due to cancer and she had to take over her dad's store at the old pickaxe because he had like whole breakdown and they had to sell their house and move to a shitty apartment. It's just like one thing after another. Um, They're just kind of snowballed. Yeah. uh, and yeah. it's so sad because it's like B like has all these like dreams that she never got to fulfill because she was like basically like propelled into like adulthood as fast as possible and she didn't really have like the opportunity to leave that May did and I think there's a lot of like resentment there just because like May went to college and then fucked it up somehow. Uh, yeah, and I think like B like definitely resents her for it just because like it's something that she would have like killed for, but she could like not have at this point. Um, but the way that this game like establishes those super like just like subtle conflicts is fucking crazy. And like you brought up a really good point in your notes where like anything that May says like makes someone mad. Because she, like, basically, like, has very little, like, tact and, like, consideration for other people. So, like, through this game, you're, like, selecting her dialogue options. But, like, sometimes you'll look at the list of options and you're, like, oh, shit. (laughs) These are both equally shitty just in different ways. There's no way that I can be a good person in this conversation. Exactly. (laughs) 
and, and you know may's character reminds me a lot of my students i teach high school and one thing that we do is we started teaching on a weekly basis um emotional intelligence basically for kids so oh sure it's like how to gain skills in terms of how to empathize with others, how to see yourself in a better light, and basically how to like deal with your shit in a really healthy sure. way. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what May experienced or uh, maybe something that she did or said just pissed somebody off, like none of that comes off as like she's intentionally trying to be a shithead. It's like yeah. she's not equipped with the tools she needs right now to exactly. not be a shit yeah to other people yeah and i think like that is kind of like i can't think of like a non-cheesy way to say this but it's very like if you can't like love yourself first you can't love anyone else (laughs) because she just like is in so much fucking turmoil that i think she like doesn't even like realize what she's doing half the time and it's like so she comes home and like some of the gameplay is her just like walking around her town like talking to her neighbors but even then it's like some questions are like super invasive because she's been like gone for two years and it's just like I don't know it's super weird I think like it took me like kind of a while to get through this and I think it's because like so much of the interaction just like made like my fucking like skin crawl and just like (laughs) made me super sad (laughs) and I like like couldn't handle it I I think I I felt that but I reacted to it in a different way where I was just like completely fucking obsessed like I had to scour every single human animal thing in that neighborhood and I wanted that uncomfort yeah Um, like like they would start out in some like random exchanges like she there's one moment where she's like talking to a random hiker she doesn't Mm -hmm. even know this guy and he like asks if the convenience store has granola bars or things that are like non-perishable and then she just goes into this thing like we're all gonna perish someday (laughs) but yeah i think they carry granola bars it's like yeah (laughs) like parts of the things that she hates most about her life it just seeps into like totally mundane conversations yeah and you start to really get an idea like oh she's not just like skipping out on school because she like is a dumbass yeah there's something going on there and it makes you want to like learn more about that that issue yeah exactly yeah that makes sense that like her what essentially like we learn is just like her like mental illness pretty much it's just like seeping into like everyday conversation and like while you figure out what's going on with her I think at the beginning it's just kind of like what the fuck are you doing like you're such like a bummer (laughs) and I think it like made me feel so nuts because it's like I don't know. It's like when you watch a movie and you're like, oh, that person like sucks for doing that. And then you're like, oh, wait, I do that. <laughs> yes. So like what what I found that I liked to criticize most about me or things that I disliked most about me or any of the other characters where I like, why the fuck did they do that? That's shitty. Yeah. It's like it's the things that I saw that I didn't really care for that I noticed that I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit. They're like. Yeah. Reaching me in this very strange way that i don't usually feel from yeah, games exactly um, yeah this, it's just really interesting yeah it's super i don't know like it's just like very like well crafted i guess and like when mm-hmm. it hits you like it hits you like fucking hard and in your notes you had mentioned that at uh e3 they like did this demo and like near them there's a game with like people getting their like heads blown off with shotguns and then like 
people are watching Night in the Woods and they like they're like, wow, this is like really dark. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, Scott Benson. Uh, he had this great, great talk at some video game thing in Silicon Valley um, a year or so after it came out. And that was one of the parts that just shocked me most. Like it, it's we're, I think we're just so used to seeing like ultra physical violence in yeah. video games. We don't tap in usually into like mental violence exactly. and uh, like like how people experience trauma yeah and it just hit a lot of people in a very surprising way that nobody was expecting yeah definitely probably like a little bit too real for a lot of people also just because like depression and like anxiety like I feel like a lot of times like when someone like suffers from that they like ignore it for so long and then Mm -hmm. like sometimes it won't like actually hit you until you like see it represented in the media and then you're like oh i have that issue (laughs) and i think like it was just very unexpected like in this context and that's why it hit people so hard because it's like it's a really cute game and you're like oh it's really cute that i'm like running through the woods but it's also like you're fucking depressed and like you dropped out of college and like i don't know like her family like ruins their like finances to like send her away And then she, like, can't do it, which really, that's what got me probably the hardest. Because, like, I have, like, pretty, like, a pretty rough history with my own mental health. And, like, I feel like if I would have been, like, in a better place mentally when I left college, that, like, I could have done more. But, like, instead I just, like, ruined my own credit because I was, like unstable when I left so that's like another thing where it's just like oh shit like the weight of like what you're carrying for everyone else while trying to keep your own shit together is like something that they like really really like nailed within this story I thought yeah absolutely and that that seems to be the the consensus for the majority of players that's one of the things that has won itself so much fame and admiration from people like whoever play it people that have reviewed it i've i've heard such good things about this game and it's not that it has like great playability and and gaming mechanics i mean it does but that's not what draws people Mm -hmm. to this and make them play it over and over again it's because no other game really deals with shit like real world terrifying issues yeah like this game does and it it kind of validates a lot of people as to what they've been going through what they've felt yeah um that maybe they couldn't put into words at that moment um Scott Benson, he's one of the creators of the game. Um, there's there's so many mentions of like him receiving fan mail or uh, posts from t- his Twitter feed, or he'll just go in and like read like uh, like discussion forums like on Steam and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just so many people like connecting and sharing their stories about, uh, well, I I kind of live with depression or anxiety, or I have bipolar disorder, yeah. or uh, I, I I have experienced dissociation uh, that. They didn't realize what that, that that's what they were going through. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a huge validating experience for them. Uh, in so many ways, it's a, it's a cathartic release for a lot of people when they play this game. Because although it's incredibly uncomfortable at times, um, just the fact that they're putting this into something that's 
concrete and real and yeah. it's not like using the aesthetics of oh i'm so depressed yeah and it's so sad they're exactly. like really going through like causation and things like that how people cope uh with or without medical care i mean they go into a lot of real world stuff yeah and it it's just helped a lot of people yeah um, no that yeah that makes total sense and i think also like the setting that it's written in it's like kind of like a town that's like dying off and like decaying essentially and it's like how do you like force yourself to thrive in like a dilapidated environment that you can't get out of and I think like because like I grew up in a rural area um just like a super like small town that's like hard to get out of like you kind of just like are born into it and you never leave um that I think also really struck a chord with me just because it's like you see people who like live in like poverty or like resort to things like there's a character in the game who like makes meth I think doesn't he yeah their their friend that had gone missing while uh May was away. Her, her name was Casey, and um, they were mutual friends and things. And she had just gone missing, and um, yeah, she was another punk. And it, it, a few people kind of mentioned that yeah, she got into cooking, yeah, um, and they never knew what happened to her. Exactly. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's like really hard to like address mental health issues in well in general for one but also like in that kind of environment just because you feel like it's not as like relevant as like people like losing their jobs or like your town like fading away basically so like basically like what's going on in your head doesn't feel as like valid as like what's going on with like the families that live on your street and i think absolutely yeah all of that gets just put onto the back burner and you deal with it in really really fucked up destructive ways sometimes um i grew up same way um we live outside of san antonio in this really tiny little town and um just you know family members i i grew up around neighbors things like that i mean you'd have like one house on a street that looks kind of middle class and then another one that um you know is it's a meth house Um, yeah like uh, i knew so many people who were drug dealers and who went to prison over cooking meth and exploding their parents uh farmhouse yeah i mean totally and they all suffered uh i didn't grow up knowing anyone who didn't have some kind of mental illness they were struggling with yeah and it was just something that nobody really vocalized Mm -hmm. um it's just something you dealt with you kind of had to like chin up and just try to get food on the table and survive yeah that wasn't something that was um nobody knew what what words to use for that how to categorize it and if it's it's all in your head so why worry about it you just need to get a job at walmart and try to survive yeah totally and like a lot of it like in real life is kind of just like managed with like substance abuse and like i think they cover that well in this game because it's like that party where like may gets drunk like you know she shouldn't drink because she like already feels like shit but then like when you're given your like action prompts it's like the only thing you can let her do and then (laughs) like after i finished it i was like oh shit like that's fucking like really like spot on because it's like that's like her only like accessible resource at the time and like i don't know it's also like weird that like so much of the stuff that you 
do with her. Like, a lot of it is, like, dialogue, but then there's, like, a part where she's, like, at the mall with B, and she, like, steals from, like, Hot Topic, or she, like, trespasses onto, like, a fountain to make B laugh, and you're just like, oh my god, this is how, like, tiny crimes happen in small towns, because <laughs> there's, yeah. like, nothing to do, and this is, like, the one thing that, like, makes you, like, feel good for, like, this, like, split second. Absolutely. Um, I, I like what you were saying about, like, so many people having these uh, kind of coping me- mechanisms that typically end up with some kind of substance abuse. Like that's noted in several different characters, not just in the main, yeah. uh, but in the supporting cast as well. I mean, you have Selmers, that also really adorable bear who yeah. does the, this goofy little poems on the sidewalk yeah. that you can uh, have her read for you. And she um, got out of rehab uh, mm-hmm. for uh, misusing painkillers. Yeah. And uh, like, her father, for instance, he when we meet him, he's like this cutest little cat man. He's like old, but super sweet. He's not like the grumpy dad or like yeah. the non-present dad. Like he's super supportive of her. He's very loving. Like every night he always wants to watch TV with her. Like, yeah. He's so he's such a good dad. Yeah. But you find out um, that he used to also have a drinking problem. Yeah. Like, that's something that was not a rarity in that town. Mm-hmm. Just like it's not a rarity with pretty much any small town. I yeah. guess everybody has their their own dysfunctional ways to cope with the issues in their life. Exactly. Yeah, and it's nuts too because it's like once you like find out that like her dad was like a pretty bad drunk uh that like made a lot of shit pretty rough, but he's like fine now and she still has both parents and then like some mm-hmm. of her friends like Either the parents, like, don't speak to them or, like, are dead. It's weird because it's, like, obviously that's not her fault. But at the same time, you're, like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, you don't have it as bad as, like, this person. Which I think is, like, a super real thing that happens when, like, I don't know. Like, I remember just, like, the first time I told, like, my mom I was depressed. She's, like, what do you have to be depressed about? You're... 11 (laughs) but then it's like oh like that's just like a thing that you like can't escape i guess but yeah i i I, no that's that you're absolutely onto something there because um you know i have a lot of kids that that tell me uh, you know they're going through something or if they've had issues with you know substance abuse or extreme bouts of depression or things like that it it gets pretty serious and um, the worst thing you can say to somebody who's going through that it doesn't matter if they're middle class or they're working class or if they have dead parents or alive parents I mean they're still going through something really monumental at that moment Mm -hmm. um, that can kind of make or break them Um, and to kind of just be invalidated like that I mean that that puts a sense of shame on what you're feeling like you should like your brain is telling yourself then that you should not be feeling depressed because everything on the surface is fine yeah you have a pretty stable life you got parents you're you're not in want of money there's still food on the table so what do you have to cry about i mean that's yeah that's such a toxic and harmful uh way to respond to those things but it's something that happens all of the time Yeah, and I think, like, within this game, that's probably why it was so difficult for uh, May to, like, essentially, like, come clean with B, just because, like, B's, like, mom had passed away. So it's, like, hard to, like, explain yourself to someone who, like, you feel has it worse than you do. Um, And I think, like, the, like, loneliness 
of this whole situation like is something that they did like beautifully just like may like walking around and having these like little desperate conversations with like someone she's like trying to make like any sort of connection and she can't is like so good <laughs> like, yeah no uh, they they do quiet moments like that so extremely well like yeah. in in some of those moments absolutely you feel like these these super isolated lonely moments for her where she's just striving really hard to connect with somebody and that could be anybody in town yeah and then at the same time you can also walk through the town uh on any given day and you just can kind of sit and be quiet and enjoy the day yeah um they they kind of wrap up those those really isolating uh moments where she's desperate for human connection and then the next day she could be feeling like oh this is a really good day yeah these leaves look so fucking good exactly and i i think they they uh kind of illustrate what it's like to uh have depression or anxiety in a totally. really good way because it's not always like you're in a pit of despair yeah um and that's all like you can find like little pockets where wow this is this is really nice right now in this moment yeah like she um, like those little rats she finds she like befriends yeah. those tiny rats in like an old parade float or something and then like steals pretzels and like feeds them pretzels and it's just like so cute <laughs> and then you're just like risking your or i guess she's a cat so if she where to fall she'd be fine but she's like climbing up <laughs> buildings to like go feed her like pet rats that nobody knows about and it's just like i don't know it's just so nice and also you brought up a really good point where like this game covers mental illness in a way that's like really rare um in the sense that it's not like demonized um your examples were Outlast and Far Cry 3, um, two things that I'm probably too scared to play or <laughs> even watch, but it's just like, I don't know, like she's not the villain at any point, um, and then also like wavering sanity can be used as like a mechanic of the game. Uh, like I'm watching Ali play Amnesia right now. Oh, yeah, uh, that, that's that game that I mentioned. I have no yeah. idea what it's about, but they have, like, craziness levels or something. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, like, sometimes stuff gets, like, all, like, I don't know, like, blurry. And then you, like, hear, like, a weird noise. <laughs> it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, kind of goofy. But, like, I don't know, it's just <laughs> nice that it's, like, presented as a thing that's, like, very real and, like, not a detail used to like propel the story necessarily like yeah it's almost absolutely. like it's its own character i guess absolutely and what what i also love about it is like there's no resolution she doesn't get cured of her mental illness it's yeah something that she lives with but she she's finding different ways to being open and honest about it and can like actually dealing with her monsters yeah um, in healthier ways um since we're like on the topic of of like mental illness and stuff like i feel like we can kind of bleed into the politics of the game and, yeah because this this game is also incredibly political it talks you know about you know workers rights uh anti-fascism it talks yeah. about uh access to health care in in small rural towns uh mm -hmm. and how that's so much wrapped into how these characters have uh grown up and think the way that they think and have these issues that have uh, just kind of taken on a life of their own because they're not being resolved yeah, in, totally. in meaningful ways. So like a little bit of backstory for May. Um, she she kind of has like this really bad nickname, uh, especially with the younger people in town. She's called Killer. 
and it's because she had this weird incident um, that she doesn't like to talk about. It happened like in middle school, maybe it was early high school, where she just straight up beat the shit out of like some kid like at a baseball game or something. Yeah. And he got really hurt. And uh, everybody kind of just like chalked it up to, oh, well, May has anger issues. And so they, yeah. they sent her to their quote unquote therapist who is like a general physician who also does dentistry. Yeah. Uh, but he's also taken on uh, mental health and therapy <laughs> as well as like a whole slew of other things just because it's a small shitty town. Yeah. And he's like probably the only doctor of any kind. Yeah. Uh, within like an hour or so yeah. of that place. <laughs> and so like she goes to this therapist um, and literally he tells her to just try to suppress her feelings of anger and here here is a journal that you may write your thoughts down in and so like what seems like a really cute part of of uh the game in the beginning is that you know as you kind of uh make progress through the town and you have all these fun little experiences may like writes and draws these amazing little drawings in her journal and it's super hilarious it's super cute um But then you come to find out why she has that is because, you know, that's the only tool she's been given to cope with this very serious uh, issue that she has. Um, And so that's that's about the extent of the help that she gets from from anybody. So I I feel like that's a big reason as to why she's so hesitant to kind of uh, be open with her loved ones about what she was experiencing in high school and especially in college and why she's there now. Mm -hmm. no yeah totally and like i think like once she gets home just because she like went to college which was like a thing that like not everyone could do i think that also makes her more hesitant and like trying to like find real care just because it's like i get i've said already that like basically she had this huge opportunity and she like fucked it up so i think Mm -hmm. like also like in that kind of like environment like it's almost like embarrassing to like bring it up at all just yeah you like because you just feel like a total failure yeah any way you put it um and you just feel like you're gonna get a lot of scorn from from those people even more than what you do now yeah um so i mean i totally empathize with her like hesitance in terms Mm -hmm. of just being open and honest about her mental health issues i feel like (sighs) that's such a common thing like so many of the people that i care about um i was very very late in the game to have them actually admit to me that they were going through shit yeah and i thought wow we're really really close we're like best friends why didn't you tell me any of this about what you were feeling and it's always that feeling of guilt and shame yeah um that just makes people not want to share exactly yeah and like i think like all the other like political aspects of this game because like there's people that are like trying to like unionize um for example because there's like factories in town and stuff and i Mm -hmm. think like i don't know it's just like mental health just feels like such like a back burner issue when there's like more things tied to survival happening around you and it's like really sad and like i guess when i finished this game i was like oh that sucked but i think it's just because like i grew up in this kind of town (laughs) and like playing it just made me feel like bad (laughs) and then after i thought about it i was like oh this was great but like right after i finished it i was like that was horrible and i think it's just because it's like so many people have like grown up like that i guess and it's just like i mean 
they just really fucking nail it. And like also a thing that they cover is like uh just like older people in the communities being like super nuts like in the game uh the (laughs) elders are like uh presented as like a cult that like kills like the person they kill that we know of is like casey who is like cooking meth and it's like to preserve like what they think is like the ideal of their community um yeah there's this whole spiel about like making possum springs great again like i definitely feel like if they didn't have the hoods they've had they would have maga hats on i mean it's very transparent about the type of people that they're they're talking about when when they've created these characters with this mindset yeah um it it definitely plays into like a, a generational thing in terms of how do we cope with this uh this multi layered issue that's plaguing our town our our health uh the kids going away yeah and and leaving the town uh the 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 mines shutting down and people being forced to work in low-paying dead-end jobs people losing houses all of that stuff um the older generation they they're kind of hanging on to that idea of what possum springs used to be and they're willing to sacrifice the young and vulnerable to do that yeah totally that's I don't know, when I was reading through these notes today, it, like, made me think of, like, uh, like in my, the county where my hometown is right now, like, nobody's, like, obeying, like, any of the, like, social distancing guidelines mm-hmm. or, like, any of that shit. And it's, like, a super conservative area, and they're just kind of, like, oh, like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I've lived here forever. But, like, this is, like, a really, like, I think my hometown has, like, maybe like 300 people um but there's like fucking like 18 confirmed cases already and like one person has like already died and it's just like such a good indicator of how like toxic and damaging that kind of attitude is and like i don't know just like the way that like this cult and the game like wants to like basically like eradicate what they believe to be the issue instead of like addressing the issue directly is like very accurate i guess yeah absolutely i mean it was really a good moment i think that we played this game because i mean i played it like a year or two ago and it was great but now with all of this pandemic stuff going on um and we've we've seen like how our neighbors are reacting to this and how our government is reacting to this. And I just feel like it's really topical now. And this, this game just kind of shines a light on all of the missteps that, that people take uh, just to kind of have their freedom or to kind of gain control. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of this game is about uh, finding really unproductive ways to control your life when it's really not that controllable um, a lot of the elements inside of it um like i'm trying to find in my notes it was like just this past week like we live in texas and uh there we have our lieutenant governor dan patrick and uh president trump like echoed a lot of the thoughts that he put into this tweet he sent like last week where it's like we can't let the cure be worse than the problem itself. Um, like, so much focus is put onto the economy going sour and trying to preserve the economy rather than yeah. actually p- 
put any kind of efforts into like medical care and doing like yeah. actual like quarantines and have actual setup rules, not really vague um, shelter in places where yeah. you're either essential or non-essential. But there's a lot of people that are seemingly essential yeah. and at risk for getting this this sickness. It, I mean. Yeah. This game is like all towns. This game is literally like all towns. Like how how Absolutely people are reacting is. to this. Yeah, exactly cuz like I talked to my mom this weekend and like her boyfriend works at this factory that makes uh like farm equipment. Um and then there's a Toro factory down there as well. They just make like mm-hmm. snowblowers and like lawnmowers and stuff. And like both of those factories are declared essential because they technically make agriculture equipment. But it's like because of how things are going nobody's gonna need like a fucking like combine right now and like nobody's gonna need like a snowblower but like they're still building them and they still have these people packed into these factories just because it's like they don't want to lose the money but they don't care about losing the people which is crazy and also the people can't afford to like disagree thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Yeah, I have exact same same story. Like one of my good friends, she works at this printing company. It's like independently owned, and somehow they were able to like do the paperwork so that a printing company they make business cards and flyers. Yeah, they're an essential company that needs to stay open. Oh my god, uh, it's absolutely insane. And like this business is filled with like so many people over sixty, people that have gone through chemo, they're yeah. immunocompromised, and they're not taking any precautions yeah like they just feel like oh it's just a flu bug that's gonna pass by and like their boss has no care in the world about that yeah he's like i can't wait till we get things uh back to usual where we have full staff and get doing full hours so we can make the most money like it's insane that people have to kind of choose in a lot of cases to either continue working an awful job that doesn't care about them yeah. Just so they can like have food and yeah. basic necessities versus quitting and being without all of those exactly. in a pandemic situation. It's absolutely insane. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. My little sister works at like a rehab facility for uh, like sex offenders and recovery. And like mm-hmm. she uh, moved out of security and now she just kind of like manages like a production line that the the guys in the rehab program work on and like uh they're still making her come to work and she says there's people like uh like her co-workers are like coming into work with coughs but they're not being sent home because they don't have fevers but like Mm -hmm. the patients themselves aren't coming to work but they're still making my sister go and like she's considered critical because she technically works in healthcare, and i'm like so fucking stressed because she just sits there and then she like runs the risk of like getting sick by one of her fucking coworkers who's just like partying every night and like not obeying anything but she also like can't afford to like not go because she can't afford to like lose her job and it's so fucking crazy and it's so stressful and it's just like ugh. or like my mom like builds like cables for medical equipment so like 
they're considered critical because like they're building stuff that like gets turned into like ventilators and like heart machines and like that kind of shit so it's like she has Mm -hmm. to go but then like the people who work at her factory think it's like all just being like overblown so they're not really following anything anyway and it's just like it's just infuriating and mindless yeah yeah um and the fact that, that so many of these people, because of the way that our society is structured, we have so many people that should have retired long ago that yeah. are still forced to work. They're a, a big part of our workforce. Exactly. And they, they are the most at risk for this. We have so many people like in their 60s and 70s who yeah. have really, really crappy immune systems. Um, and to, for, for somebody like a major member of of our government like like for texas dan uh dan patrick said those of us who are 70 plus will take care of ourselves but don't sacrifice the country yeah like it's sad that when he says country he means the economy yeah and exactly. he's totally cool with letting us letting our our parents and grandparents just die yeah to sacrifice uh. that, that's so ugh nauseating it really but yeah it, it's a lot like the cult yeah the town of possum springs exactly so, yeah we live with a lot of cult members they just don't have to wear hoods yeah exactly <laughs> no yeah that feels very accurate because it's yeah the last few weeks have just been a lot just a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of uncertainty there um yeah i've been uh making a lot of uh home phone calls to uh my my students parents and we have to do weekly check-ins to make sure they have food and supplies and see sure. if they're doing okay and it's just emotionally exhausting when yeah. you just actually get to communicate with these parents and you just realize how vulnerable so many of us are yeah um like i i had a parent just in tears um, because she didn't know what she was going to do about food. She has five kids oh, and fuck. her partner that was like taking care of them left. Oh my God. And so she has nothing, nothing to kind of fall back on. And so that, those are always really tough phone calls, Yeah, uh, but those are important phone calls. It kind of just sheds light on, on the issues. And, uh, our district has done so such a great job of reaching out and making sure that our kids and parents and families are provided for yeah. to the best of our abilities. Um, yeah. So, I mean, some people do great in a crisis. They respond well in a crisis. So yeah. I'm really glad that, you know, my school district, my school district does, does that. Yeah. No, that is good. But then like at the same time, it's like the people who are like more well off, are like the people like stockpiling like like wick foods you yes know? that's insane which that's is insane. like so fucked yeah like I, I just saw a post because so many people that are like middle class upper class that have never had to deal with being on food stamps mm-hmm. or having any kind of uh food instability issues like they don't even realize like try not to go grocery shopping and hoard your shit on like the first of the month because that's yeah. when people get like their shit recharged so they can actually go get groceries and yeah i know so many of like my neighbors that are just on fumes right now because yeah. they're waiting for you know the first of the month so they can actually go get groceries exactly like it's just ignorance like i know people think of themselves first and they don't realize like all the other multitudes of of strife that other people go through it's it's yeah. nothing that they've ever experienced it's nothing that they you know you learn about in school exactly. uh, learning about food stamps and ebt and things like that yeah. um so it, it's just lots of 
lack of information so therefore lack of empathy yeah totally and i think that's why i like this whole element of like the elders being this cult feels so relevant now because it's like now there are people who are like willing to just like chuck people who they could very easily help like they could like they could have helped casey like not have to sell meth instead of killing her you know and it's like you can like help feed a family instead of like you know like fucking like taking their food like it's just i don't know it's just crazy yeah that now that we've been talking about this it makes me think about um bruce um he is uh this really adorable cat man who is living outside of the church oh yeah um, that that pastor k kind of uh sends meals to and talks to and tries to care for the whole thing with pastor k at the church is she's trying to convince um like the town hall or something or the city council to let her let bruce live in the church and they're like no we need people to have a good idea about this town and not that it's filled with like homeless people and some bullshit excuse and like towards the end of the story may talks with him and he's like i'm gonna leave i'm gonna go back home but like you never see him go back home and so like i know that the cult has been like praying and sacrificing uh like the undesirables basically there's like a caste system so they definitely took Casey. Like, I always had, like, this bad feeling that something might have happened to Bruce and it might have been the cult. Yeah. But I try not to think about that because he's such a cute character. Like, yeah. I love his design a lot. Exactly. It almost kind of seems like he maybe lives out there just because it's like they can't, like, get to him there at that point because he's, like, so close to, like, the outskirts of town. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, I the whole yeah the whole cult aspect was, like, a little bit foggy for me at points because i couldn't tell if like they were real or if like their presence was just may wanting something like bigger to happen just because i think that's like another feeling they were able to capture really well um is just like the feeling of like living in a small town that feels like a dead end and just like wanting Mm -hmm. something like big like when she like found that arm like she finds like a dismembered arm and like i was like is that real (laughs) like (laughs) do you just like want to be on like a murder mystery right now and like that's what's happening uh but then it turned out there actually was a cult so (laughs) yeah yeah so i i like the 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 direction that you're 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 leading into because that's another part of the writing that i enjoy um i think once you get towards like the end of of the story where you get all of this crazy like supernatural stuff going on mm-hmm. um there's always like people that are kind of split was it real the supernatural stuff was it all just something in in her mind um, yeah and i really appreciate the fact that the writers just kind of left it ambivalent um like they didn't want to kind of push you in one direction or the other it's yeah. kind of up to you to decide what happened but um yeah there's a lot of supernatural stuff that yeah. i mean it's stuff that's presented as supernatural i'll say that yeah for sure. um so like she has these really wild dreams at uh certain points in the story i think there's like four dreams that she has mm-hmm. um that seem vaguely prophetic um, just because she's she's walking through like this torn up town that 
doesn't really make it much architectural sense yeah. and she kind of climbs on shit and she has to kind of like awaken these four musicians that are in this band and mm-hmm. then at the very end there's always like some weird gigantic crazy animal with glowing eyes that pops up yeah and they never seem nice yeah they're not nice. that's for sure <laughs> they're not nice animals <laughs> um they're spooky yeah um yeah, so, I mean, everybody kind of has, like, those weird fever dreams sometimes. Yeah. I feel like people that go through uh, lots of stress, they tend to have, like, wilder, scarier dreams. Oh, my like, God, yeah. It, Absolutely. It, it seems to go along with the territory quite well. Yeah. So I, I would kind of chalk that up to, like, you know what? May's been through some stuff. Yeah, so no, I for sure. I can see her dreams being pretty wild. Yeah. But, you know, uh, let's see. There's some other stuff, though. Like, she keeps seeing this figure. Um, It's always in the shadows, and it's always, like, in really suspicious um, situations. Like, at their Harfest, is that what they call it? It's like their fall festival. Yeah. Yeah, so somebody gets kidnapped, and uh, she sees, like, this, she calls it a ghost, just kind of carry them off. Yeah. But... It is just a cult member. It's it's a member of the town that's in a cult, that's in a, a cloak that has been stealing people. Yeah. But she's so sure it's a ghost. She's so sure it's a ghost. And exactly. so she kind of, like, loops her friends into, like, doing ghost hunts around the town. So yeah. you get to, like, hang out with B and you go to the library to do some research um, uh, about different ghost sightings in the town. And... I'm one of those people, like, if I'm met with a lot of text in in a story, I'm going to read every single yeah. article that I can. <laughs> and I spent so long reading that. And James is, would look over. He's like, oh, my God, did you pause the game? Are you still on that? I'm like, yeah, it's so interesting. All of these little, like, news clippings yeah. uh, that, that she's kind of looking through. It, and she's looking for, like, three articles of, like, ghost sightings. Yeah. But the other shit that's even more interesting you hear uh, about um this big mine explosion in the late yeah. 1800s that caught that's part that started off this huge uh like labor strike mm-hmm. where the workers refused to go back in until their bosses would make sure that they were following actual safety precautions so yeah. there wouldn't be any more deaths and then that happens and it kind of comes to a, a boil and there's a massacre at one of these things mm-hmm. um, where like two kids die and like seven minors die um, because it involved the National Guard. It got, got crazy. Yeah. And then there's a whole nother set of, of those news clippings where it mentions the ghost sightings, but it also then mentions that this whole street had to be evacuated um, because people were starting to get these auditory and visual hallucinations um just like some members of like each family on that street and they investigated and they realized oh it's these like noxious gases from underground from the tunnels and the mines that was setting all this shit off and i mean all this supernatural um people always want to chalk things up to the supernatural because it's the more fun thing to believe i think yeah because you don't want to believe that, you know, your town is just really shitty and your government yeah. doesn't care about you. And so <laughs> exactly. you're like, oh, it's ghosts. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like the fact that that already had a precedent and precedence in the, in the town of uh, these these gases and these fumes yeah. uh, affecting people in, in ways where, you know, they would have like these waking dreams and it could get really dangerous because they could walk off and and uh, 
fall into like a hole or something and yeah. not return. <clears throat> I feel like that might be a lot of what May might be experiencing. No, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you had mentioned that like a uh, lot of this like also kind of like toes the line or like maybe like I don't know dips into the waters of a uh, cosmic horror also and I think like uh like the desolation that results because of these incidents is like something that relates directly to cosmic horror as well as like the line being blurred between like what happening is supernatural and what is just like neglect um mm-hmm. and I think that's also just like I don't know now that we're talking about it I'm just like I really want to play this again because I'm like yeah. man this shit is like so like <laughs> layered like there there's no way you can get through all of this information like i'm, I'm looking at like playthroughs and i'm like oh shit there's a whole little cute section that i missed there's yeah. like so much stuff that you can take in there's so many ways you can spin this exactly. um it, it's it's a fabric that has so many layers like it there's so many threads that just weave into each other and um that's why i think our conversation is kind of steered so like organically i was imagining we'd have like more structure just because i wrote my notes really structured yeah but once you start talking about like one thing it immediately dives into a, a seemingly unrelated topic yeah and that's just the way that the story is written like, you can't just talk about one thing everything is interrelated exactly yeah i don't know man i really want to play this again now (laughs) but i also i'm assuming i'll just be like shaking pears out of trees on my island for like the rest of my life true that true that that's like Like, i feel like i've shaken so much so many trees in like the past week and like i i'm getting like tree envy because like i'm seeing pictures that my friends are posting of like their cute little island yeah like what the fuck how do you have all of that i know i know i think i think it's people who are um time traveling because some Mm. people are like adjusting the clocks on their switches to like move it forward because like right now like my like uh like my resident center is under construction and like once that's up like i can like build more bridges and shit but like if i wanted to i could just tell my switch that it's tomorrow and then tonight i could like build more bridges so i think it's people who are just like like fucking with the natural time frame or like that's what i'm telling myself because if i don't tell myself that that i'm like my island is shit. I have no, <laughs> like, I like, just, like, I, don't I've know how to decorate the last house. few days. Yeah. I'm just trying to get, like, my shop opened. Like, yeah. I cannot find enough of that iron ore that I need. I need, like, ten more of those. And I'm like, really? what the hell? Are you doing I'm the scarce. thing where, uh, so how I got mine is I, like, flew to other islands. And then I found mm-hmm. rocks. And you do, you, like, dig two holes behind you. And then you, like... <sighs> hit it with a shovel because like if the holes are there then like you don't like bounce back as far so you can hit more so you can knock like six out of them so yes i read about that i attempted it i'm really bad at digging holes like i found out with this game i thought it'd be super relaxing i'm shit at fishing i'm shit (laughs) at catching bugs i'm just terrible at animal crossing like i fail at animal crossing Which is not Animal Crossing's fault. That's all me. Um, No, that's fair. Yeah, I was playing... uh, I'm, like, in the middle of Kentucky Route Zero right now. And then, like, Mm. uh, Animal Crossing came out, like, the day after I started playing it. And I just, like, haven't 
touched it at all. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, hold on. Like, because again, like, I love this, like, farming shit. And I just, like, collecting branches is, like, what I want to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were just talking about not helpful coping mechanisms. Animal Crossing is one of those for me. Because I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll feel during the day like, oh, no, I'm getting really sad. I'm worried about one of my kids. I'm going to go pick up some sticks real quick yeah. in Animal Crossing. And it makes it better for a few minutes. Exactly. On my, like, lunch break, because, like, I'm, I'm still working and, like, my staff got laid off. So, like, I'm working very hard right now from home. And, like, I feel, like, grateful to still have my job. But also I'm, like really like mentally suffering and like during my lunch break I'm like okay I'm gonna like play Animal Crossing for 30 minutes and I like set my timer and then like I go back to work and an hour later I'm like wow why do I want to fucking vomit it's because I don't eat on my lunch break anymore yeah (laughs) and then I just drink like four cups of coffee and then I'm like dehydrated and like ugh. but yeah, yeah I don't know uh, but yeah, Kentucky Route Zero was actually uh, on your list of like things that had inspired this. I'm in the middle of that, and that also is like really good at like hitting the like rural feeling of like desolation and like feeling desperate, which I like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I I didn't get to finish playing it. Um, I I had worked all the way up until like that last act um, sure. a few years ago, and then once it got released, I just watched James play it, um, oh, yeah. play the whole game, and it was it was really cool. Even just like being like a passenger in that and yeah. watching somebody else play, like it's so captivating. Yeah, no, totally. And I think like I don't know. I guess I never really considered like just like rural areas as like a source of like inspiration for video games because I like right. I, I get it in movies but like now that like because like another thing on your list of uh stuff that had inspired this is um Flannery O'Connor and mm-hmm. like uh a good man is hard to find is like one of my like favorite pieces of writing of like all time and I think like I guess I never really considered like how scary it would be to like play a game in like a rural area where like that abandonment and like mm-hmm. just like how far you are from everything is like actually like super terrifying and i think like just like the feeling of like no one being able to like hear you scream is like yeah. something that's super I, scary cuz like i feel like night in the woods is like not obviously it's like not like super scary cuz it's like really cute and it's like almost like a different kind of like horror um it's like it's like existential it's more like inside the mind yeah and like our society corrupting itself and killing itself yeah um but uh i i really feel you on that i i I think there it's that what is that? That Rust Belt Gothic. Yeah. That's like this this sort of subgenre that kind of captures uh, what it feels like to be like in those small dwindling towns yeah. um, that are kind of just speckled uh, across uh, America in that way. And it, you're, you're totally right. It's definitely like an untapped sort of source of inspiration because I feel like people making get- video games before this, they're like, you know... People don't want to deal with their shitty lives. They don't want to see things that are familiar to them. They yeah. want something that's totally 
beyond familiarity. They want fantasy. They want sci-fi. They want to be these amazing soldiers that can kill like a bajillion people um, and have un- uh, unlimited ammo they they want to have these superpowers they want to feel like they're chosen they want all of these methods of escape exactly um they like the fantasy of it and although you know this game is definitely fictional definitely a fantasy um it definitely has its roots and just terrifying realism yeah no yeah that makes total sense i also so i didn't know any of the controversy surrounding this but that yeah, made so- it <laughs> fucking crazy. Like, I didn't know about that until I read your notes, I think. Yeah, I was I was a little hesitant to put that in. Uh, I, I kind of trimmed that down severely. Sure. Just because I read everything. And it, it gets really graphic, really dark, yeah. really fast. So I, I'm not including that just for respect out of... Um, you know, victims and things like yeah. that. Um, just to kind of keep that privacy. If you want to read more about it, you can. But um, I, I think to get the information out in terms of how it relates to this video game, mm-hmm. I think what we have there in the notes is pretty okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had no idea about it. Like, I'm not one of those that looks up, like, video game news. I'm not one of those that when I play a game, I want to immediately know about every single creator and their lives. So yeah. I, I was, like, totally oblivious to the fact until James uh, let me know about it. It was like, oh my gosh, this thing just came up in the news about, you know, the creators here and, yeah. and your game. I'm like, oh damn, okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's super nuts. I guess I, yeah, I feel like it would be better if like people like really want to read it. They can just go find it. But like, mm-hmm. to like extremely summarize the situation, the developer um, had like abuse claims against him and then ended up uh, like killing himself. I guess they never like confirmed that he committed suicide, but that's like the suggestion, um, I guess. Yeah, it it, um, it was uh, confirmed by um, it. Uh, it was a uh, develop developer Alec Holoka. Uh, his sister uh, and a few other people did kind of like confirm that and put statements out uh, about that. Um, but yeah, it when this happened, it happened like last august yeah and between like the end of august and like the beginning of september so it's it's really really fresh and that's another reason why like i know a lot of people are like really tempted to really dig into the controversy of it but i feel like since it is so fresh i mean that i feel like sometimes that will do a little bit of harm yeah to the people that have been totally unrelated to to the allegations of the abuse that that went on um and there there has been a lot of like really toxic reactions by fans of the game where mm-hmm. they you know they gave out death threats and things to yeah. um to the person who who was brave enough to come forward yeah uh and and make statements and, and make that that very traumatic private situation very public um so after this all came out and people were just busy reacting like pretty much everybody on that team uh they had to just kind of uh step away from social media yeah and uh they were all offline for like a week or two um but scott benson um he's one of the the creators he was the the artist the writer uh animator designer he did so many things on that game yeah at heart it really is scott benson and bethany hockenberry's game yeah um 
they wouldn't have been able to really do it without Holoka. Mm-hmm. He was the one that was the programmer, and he did make the he was the composer, so he did write all of the music for for the game. But um, sure, um, shortly after that event happened, um, it was really tragic and just controversial. Lots of people didn't know how to feel about it. Um, yeah, he put out this this really heartfelt. Um, open statement on uh, I think it was medium.com and I definitely recommend reading that uh, because it goes into detail about how he met uh, Alec Holoka um, on Twitter just very randomly and they decided to start making a game uh, he had never made a game before so this was like a first for him mm-hmm. and he goes into detail about you know um, just how their work relationship was um, he was a, Holoka was a very creative person um, but he also dealt with a lot of like really terrible mental illness that resulted in him um, not being the kindest uh, to the people he worked with, the people yeah. he was close to. So um, Benson has been very frank about their work relationship being just extremely toxic to the point of him having to go to therapy over it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very complex sort of uh, relationship that they had with each other um yeah. especially while the game was being created um but yeah yeah ali said that like after that all happened it like really like just devolved into this like very like gamer gate situation yes. where like the person who came forward was like being harassed really mm-hmm. hard and i think that's why like i don't know like i've mentioned this before in various forms but like I don't really like like if I play a video game I don't like tell anyone (laughs) (laughs) just because like I think like the culture surrounding it can just be so fucked up and like I feel the same way about like demon daddies like I've never really like promoted that like anywhere Mm -hmm. that I should just because it's like the attitudes surrounding it are like so like misogynistic and so ready to like pounce that it's just like it's scary and like just for people to like lose their shit over this situation in the way that they did just i feel like totally negates any progress that like night in the woods attempted to make which is like super unfortunate Mm -hmm. and it's just like i don't know i just I, I, I think that's an issue that that so many fandoms have like some of the purest material that comes out like cute shit like steven universe that's like totally yeah. harmless and pure you can have some of the most toxic fans sometimes because you know they just are ready to defend what they love so voraciously yeah and i think if it means isolating others or even going into like verbal abuse and threats to others because yeah. they're kind of gatekeeping you know uh what it is to be a real fan um it, it's a problem that has just kind of spread far and wide in terms of not just the gaming world this is pretty much any type of media you know it's same with comic books no things like that totally even like so i'm like a really huge garth brooks fan <laughs> like yes. to the point yes. where i like have a garth brooks tattoo and like recently he played in detroit and he wore a Dion sanders jersey and his fans like lost their fucking minds because they thought it was like bernie sanders and they were like this is bullshit keep your politics out of your music but like oh in God. like 
1991, like Garth Brooks released a record that had like the song on it called We Shall Be Free. And it's like, basically applies to everything that's happening now. He's also like, always been like an advocate for like gay rights. And it's like people just like having like such selective hearing when it comes to this stuff. And just like, I don't know. It's... I don't know. You, it's you crazy. You can extend that to any facet of life that brings somebody some form of joy. Yeah. And they're willing to protect their particular perspective on that. They're yeah. protecting their interpretation of the material. They're not protecting the material. Exactly. So, it's just like with religion. So many people um, claim to be incredibly devout that they are following the word of whomever they they believe in. But those same people can sometimes also be the most hateful people, the most yeah. ignorant people, and they claim that they are protecting and you know uh, ensuring the, the the facts. I guess yeah, as they see them. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like anytime I like consume media i try not to like read reviews or like Mm -hmm. subreddits or anything because i know there's somebody who just like wants to like ruin it and there's just like someone with like some hot fucking take who's about to like destroy what little like shred of enjoyment you took away (laughs) it's just like I don't know. People are are so ready to be so militant about things. Like, just let people love what they love, how they love it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's literally not hurting anything. No, not at all. It's crazy. I don't think we really covered, like, the ending. Like, do we care about spoilers? I literally don't care about spoilers. I love spoilers. Yeah. But other people may not. (laughs) (laughs) It's been out for a long time. Okay. All right. Spoilers. Give it the times, people. Yeah. All right. So, like... May and the and, and and company they they end up having a confrontation with these cult members and it's down deep in the mines and uh, they're they're kind of like a cult of dads. Uh, yeah. I've I've been I've been hearing them be referred to as the dad cult yeah. a lot. Um, so you know, just lots of middle aged like geezers sitting on the yeah. couch with nothing better to do than complain and not do anything proactive exactly. about finding solutions to help their town. So yeah. we're just going to sacrifice people and be sad about that. Um, and nobody like it, it's weird. So the, the cult leader, I guess he kind of talks with me about you go back into this whole uh, cosmic horror aspect of it. And they said that once they, I think it was like back in the 90s or something, they opened the line back up and these two people, they went really, really deep in there. And one guy fell really far into the pit and like he never oh, reached yeah. the bottom. Yeah. It was like, it's kind of creepy. I'm like, it turns in, it starts to really turn into like a sci fi horror type movie. Yeah. There, very like totally. Um And they started hearing a voice um, come from like the pit and it's like this black goat. Um, and they start feeding people to this pit, um, beneath their town. Yeah. Uh, and they said that for a while, like right after they would like sacrifice somebody, like some young punk that was making trouble or some homeless person, um, that for a while the town would improve and, uh, people would be healthy for a while. And then every few months they'd have to sacrifice somebody, blah, blah, blah. Um, and basically they were asking like, 
I guess made to like join them. Yeah, like, they weren't they weren't gonna like kill them because they're like, oh no, you're our young kids. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. it's just like come do this fucked up thing with me. Exactly, save our town. This is our answer. But Ugh. like, man, company's like way too smart for it, and they're like, that's fucked up. We're not gonna do that. Yeah, and uh, something happens. I forgot what it was. Like that part is always like a bit of a blur for me. Yeah, it's always like a weird part of the story. It's not bad. It's just I don't remember that as well as the other parts. Yeah, um, totally. But but like they start to go back up in this elevator, and some guy uh, tries to like pull them back. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. And like yeah, now I remember this. The elevator falls, or like the the mine starts to cave in, and like the dude's arm gets ripped off. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It kind of it kind of echoes them finding that arm in front of the click clack diner. Yeah. Like, at the beginning of the game. There's a lot of bookended sort of symbols in there. Yeah. In that game. Um, but so they had they totally didn't mean to do it but like they unintentionally trap like a dozen dads yeah. in the mine until they like starve or like die from like asphyxi- asphyxiation yeah um and so they're trying to find their own way out of the mine and may starts wading through this pool of water and then all of a sudden she like sinks in and it's like this weird like astral projection sort of thing that happens where she's kind of having this conversation with this black goat that's never seen yeah it's just it, this thing is just referred to as the black goat yeah um and uh yeah they definitely tap into like the cosmic horror aspect of that i don't really recall everything that happened but yeah um she basically just kind of like makes a resolution to like live i guess yeah no that's um, true and they they end up escaping the mine through like this hole in one of their friends' backyards, as it turns out. Like they have this little bird friend. His name is Germ Warfare. Oh yeah. Yeah, Jeremy. And it's like this hole that's just in his backyard. So like, yeah. Um, they escape and they have like another regular old day. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. That they're just having like a regular old day. Um But I, I like the way that it ends. There's like no overt resolution it's not like she's the chosen one yeah come to totally. save the town like she has a dream earlier and it's with this sky cat god thing in a desert and she's like well am i the chosen one am i supposed to be doing something and it's like nobody is choosing you there's nobody yeah. to choose you like there's nothing um and so i, I like that um they they don't resort to using that that trope of you know having a chosen one come to yeah. save the town like a messiah yeah. um no that's just like super good now that yeah, i think she's, about it yeah she's just like a fucked up cat girl trying to yeah. get her own shit together she can't save a town <laughs> yeah um and like it's it's kind of like ma- making peace with the fact that there's no one answer for helping her dying town just yeah. as, like there's no one answer for her like coping with her living her life uh or getting over her illnesses magically overnight like there's no cure-all for it um she's got to kind of take it a day at a time yeah they like heavily hint that you know like nothing lasts forever so that town is probably definitely going to just die at some point yeah and like now i'm wondering if like i don't know because we just watched uh ready or not have you seen that i'm not uh it's so it's like uh this family like this woman marries into this family and then they like 
uh, play a game at midnight and they, she pulls hide and seek and then they are like hunting her in the house and like there's like a question as to like whether or not the sacrifice they make is like actually doing anything or not uh-huh. and so like now I'm thinking about that in relation to Night in the Woods where it's like was the sacrifice these guys were making actually doing anything or is it just something that they were doing because they wanted to and were like trying to like validate their like sick thing that they wanted to complete right right yeah i i could totally see that um with with this game um and we 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 didn't linger on it too much but i i did want to say that like in addition to the writing um just the amount of research that these people did it was mostly like bethany hawkenberry she did mm-hmm. most of the research and a lot of writing to make sure they got the setting and the tone of possum springs down right yeah um both uh hawkenberry and benson are natives of uh pennsylvania and oh, so sure. that's that's like literally their life that they kind of grew up with so like they would take they took at one point holoka like on a visit to kind of see all of the different buildings and little small towns that they were inspired by um so like places like altoona pittsburgh bolivar and uh just little tiny little uh towns that you know just are sprinkled throughout pennsylvania yeah um i i love that they don't shit on the town yeah they don't project it as like oh it's a terrible dying town it's just all terrible all of the time they they don't like have a black and white sort of version of it it's like this really complex beautiful shitty town yeah like there's some really gorgeous parts of it like the architecture is just it's so beautiful um but then you also have like the closed down shops which you know it kind of balances itself out. yeah that dude in my hometown like main street is like so wide and so long and it's like so sad there's like i think like just a theater now that the one of the churches in town owns so they like uh like they screened like the shack for like two months (laughs) wow (laughs) they only show like god approved (laughs) stuff and like there's like a quilt shop and like yeah just like all the like shuttered businesses and night in the woods were like super I don't know, hit very close to home. And just, like, the people working in the stuff that's open are, like, all miserable. But, I don't know. I also see that um, Centralia, Pennsylvania was on a list here. Yes. Never heard of it. Just kidding. (laughs) Centralia is, like, oh, my God. Like, that's been on my list for so long of places I would love to visit. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There should be, like, a Zero Brightness meetup there. (laughs) Yes, that would be so great. Let's all fall in the pit together. I'm going to sacrifice someone. <laughs> Make s'mores. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I mean, I, I love the kind of like really quiet, like horrific aspects of like those inspirations, like in Centralia, that's like major inspiration for for Silent Hill. Yeah. And I only know that because I, I never played any Silent Hill games, but like Silent Hill, the movie came out when I was 16. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Everybody at my high school fucking loved that movie. Oh my so, god, like, yes. <laughs> we, it was like an idealized icon. Yeah. Man, that movie is so good. We like went to Cheapo once because we really wanted to buy a copy. Like we were like 
super horny to watch this movie because we were like oh isn't silent hill just like the best movie and we like walked in a cheapo and it was literally like in a new releases rack like face out and i was like that's so scary (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i when when that movie came out like it was back when you could pay a little bit extra at the dvds at walmart and you get like this extra disc that had all of the special features oh yeah I would like watch the special features on that movie for so long. <laughs> I was like a meditative state because back then I wanted to I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to yeah. study movies and like write movies and shit like that. Um, and I was just so impressed with uh, the way that they were able to bring all of those horrific monsters and just bring the yeah. tone to life. Like the the story itself, I thought was kind of shitty, but you know it's whatever. Yeah, it's a video game movie. But, oh, my God, the effects, the monsters. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That's watching those was so fun. I never really like see them anymore. But like when when I was a kid, like the first I remember on my fourth birthday, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street on HBO with my mom. And then like mm-hmm. right after it, she made me watch the like behind the scenes. So I would know it wasn't real. And like, I oh, think that's yeah. why that's a huge part of the reason why like I ended up like going to film school because i was like oh this is like so crazy like i can like make these monsters but then yeah i mean i ended up only making like kids movies and like (laughs) what what you made kids movies i like only made i made like maybe like two or three kids movies um in college i need to like find the hard drive i have them on but i like made one where like these uh two little girls are like they're like sick or something and they just like decide they want to be astronauts so they like make their own space program in their house with their dad and then at the end they're like watching tv and it was like right around when like the space program like decided they wouldn't have astronauts anymore and then at the end they decide they want to be robots because like nasa's (laughs) like we're gonna send robots instead oh my god Uh, that's that's fantastic super fun yeah i was uh really upset i like minored in film studies and I, i went to an okay college but like they had like a film appreciation program. Like there yeah. wasn't an actual class you could take to do what I wanted to do, which was to learn how to do the prosthetics and yeah. like the like special effects makeup. Totally. Um, so I just wrote some really damn good essays on movies. Hell yeah. And, um, yeah. And I did special effects for like some local crappy short films here sure. in town. So aliens and zombies and shit. Yeah. It was fun. Oh my God. That would prosthetic makeup would be such a good like quarantine activity. <laughs> Yes, I just got rid of all my fake blood too. Shit. I brought it to the school. Damn it. Okay. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So like I'm like jumping around like crazy. I'm just like scanning like I'm on crack like through That's my okay. notes and I'm realizing all the shit that I wanted to talk about and I didn't. What? Like one of the things that I thought was so cool. This is from like an art historical aspect. Oh, sure. Um all of the WPA inspired murals. Okay, when you first get into the town, like there's this big ass mural uh, that kind of represents like the history of, of labor and uh, basically miners who were the lifeblood of that town. Um, so it, it's very much uh, labor, workers' rights, and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it's directly inspired, like all those murals that we see in town, those are inspired by like real murals that we have here in America still. Holy shit. Still, they're still being uncovered because like they did a really crappy job of putting all of these like public works into a database so people can kind of see exactly where all of these were painted across America. Yeah. But like 
back during the Great Depression, like you have, you know, Roosevelt's New Deal program. Uh, and then you also have the Works Progress Administration Federal Art Project or the WPA that was like late 30s, early 40s. And basically, when our economy went downhill so fast, um, artists uh, needed jobs. And so that program helped uh, get artists back in the workforce. And they just did these huge murals and they put them in all over uh, America in public spaces like schools, libraries, post offices, any public space where people congregated. Um, so that division uh, the Federal Art Project, that, that particular division of the WPA, it made over 5,000 jobs at a time where unemployment was close to 25%. That's this was like crazy. the first time in American history where you have official like government patronage for art. Yeah. Like that's a thing in Europe. That's an old thing in Europe, but like yeah. it's the first time that we did that in America. And so like they were basically inspired by all these Mexican muralists like Diego Rivera and uh, Orozco. And so you could see these dotted throughout the U.S. You can visit them and you might be able to uncover them if you happen to work for construction and you're like bulldozing like an old building. Yeah. That's how they get found sometimes. They're just hidden behind walls and stuff. Holy shit. I didn't know yeah. that was I mean, like I knew that there were. Wow. OK, my mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> but all of these were supposed to be like super pro-American. It's showing uh, American life. So you see lots of landscapes and cities and industrial scenes. Um, some of them were a little controversial because, you know, um, people didn't go in and check on what all these artists were doing to make sure it was appropriate. Yeah. So like some of these have been taken down because like you have like scenes of like a massacre of indigenous people uh, in like a public school. That's oh like, God! Yeah. So, have if you've ever watched Parks and Rec, they they kind of make fun of this. A oh lot. yeah. Um, it, they have the they have a big mural that also it's great. But if you go too far down the hallway, you'll find the really controversial part yeah. um, that shows like the bloody history of the American past. Totally. Oh my God. That's nuts. I guess I realized like as I was playing it, there was like, cause there's like when you go down, is it like the subway or something where the yeah, it, person was? They, they have like that underground, like trolley system that yeah. was abandoned. And then in, in its stead, you have like this waterway with like one single pierogi stand. And mm -hmm. it's where like a bunch of punks just kind of congregate. Yeah. Like one of the first big little, um, problems in the in in the story is that somebody like spray paints all over that mural oh yeah oh and trying to get to the bottom of it yeah that was like one of the first things that i was like huh that looks a lot like some of the murals that i cover in class let me yeah. research this a little <laughs> that's crazy um, but yeah um i just love that their their inspiration for this game and creating a world that feels real like they put genuine heart into this yeah like it's not like a generic town. It is their town, the home that they grew up with. And so in a way, they're filled with a little bit of nostalgia. It it reminds the creators a lot of like people that they knew of them, the creators themselves, and everything that went along with growing up in a small town like that. Yeah. Man, dude, that's wild. Yeah. I have learned so much tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I had to do a lot of research because James is not the one doing this. And I feel like he always is able to, like, catch, like, these little, like, musical Easter eggs. Oh, sure. Um, but, like, 
I, I was doing research and I found out that uh, May's favorite band, she has like a poster of uh, Witch Dagger on her, yeah. her bedroom wall. It's like this doom metal band and it's a direct reference to the band Sleep. And Crazy. like that Dragonaut game, that the, the song that she plays, um, apparently it has similar bass and like riffs to... Uh, uh, oh, well, they have a song called Space Dragon in the game, but it's supposed to be inspired by Dragonaut by Sleep. Oh, Wow. I have no idea what that means, um, yeah. but <laughs> but I thought that was kind of cool. And um, that little mouse girl, Lori Myers, yeah. um, I didn't know this either because I'm like totally ignorant when it comes to like knowing music, um, but it's, in, it's, it's inspired by the song Lori Myers by No Effects. Whoa. I thought that was like just hilarious little tidbits. Yeah. Man, that's nuts. That's, Super man, that's nuts. a deep cut, I feel all of the nuts yeah <laughs> uh jeez. so like when you did your playthrough did you end up spending a lot of time with b or with greg i stayed with b most of the time yeah me too this time around the first time uh, a few years ago when i played it for the first time i definitely just naturally instinctually wanted to play more with greg because he seemed super fun and rad i thought we'd get into some wild adventures yeah which we did we destroyed a bunch of shit we did lots of crimes oh yeah and it cool. was fantastic but i feel like this time around since i hung out more with b um there's a lot more maturity and depth that happens sure. um i feel like they grow from each other quite a bit whereas when you hang out with Greg, I mean, you get closer, you get to reconnect as best buds, but yeah. like, I don't feel like they're super great for each other. Like, yeah. they're, they, they're just enabling bad behavior. No, totally. They're and super like mutual bad influences. Yeah, they definitely got some like Peter Pan's uh, syndrome going on. Yeah. Like, they wanna just be cute, rascally kids forever. For sure. Yeah, I think I hung out with Greg like once. That's cute, but and not it, helpful. Yeah, it's not helpful <laughs> at all. And it like sucks because like Angus is so likable and like he's trying to get greg to like get his shit together so they can move and then like i felt like an asshole anytime i was like greg let's hang out and then they just like i don't know like fucking like break bottles or something and then like i was like okay i can't do this so i spent the majority of my time with b yeah i I think it's really important to do multiple plays of this game so you can see you get a lot more character development on all sides you get to see what the characters think about one another a lot better i i know um when you play with Greg, like he just goes on and on and on about how much he loves Angus and it's super sweet and yeah. you can tell like the strength of their relationship. But when you hang out with B, she's like, Oh yeah, they're not gonna last once they move and uh, they're not the only gay guys in town and Angus realizes he could do much better, he's yeah. gonna move on. That's just like B's input. So you get to just like hanging out with regular people. Yeah. Um, you get to see like perspectives of like all sides of these complex relationships and i think that's really cool totally yes um next time i want to hang out more with with bees uh not bees but may's mom uh, oh yeah candy she's like a receptionist or an administrator at the church yeah she's just super sweet and the reason why i want to hang out with her is because in each of the playthroughs you just have this catastrophic sort of argument with with her mom and it's just it's one of those things that you just you can't make a good decision in it it's just like may reacting and not thinking about what she's saying yeah and it just gets really heated and you have to patch things up but 
uh, apparently if you are able to like strengthen your bond with the mom, um, you have like your own cute little scene where they're walking in a field together and talking and stuff. And oh yeah, I, that. I got that. <laughs> you got that? Yeah, I think they go to like somewhere where like the parents m- met or something. Like they go oh. like way out of to like the edge of town oh that is nice i hope you get that too also yeah. like i'm excited to replay this just because it's like uh i haven't really like like i haven't seen anyone <laughs> in like almost like i don't know like two and a half weeks and so yeah. it'll just be nice to uh have any kind of uh conversation <laughs> yeah for sure like- even if it's with a computer i don't care <laughs> I mean, I'm totally cool with artificial intelligence, yeah. like having faux conversations. I, I I love that illusion. It keeps me going. And I'm totally comfortable with with robots talking to me. Yeah. No. Absolutely. This game, it's so much about free will. Uh, so like so many of the characters in that game, when May returns to town, they've all had to make really tough choices, really tough decisions that ended up being what they had to do to survive. And it ended up being not the ideal in terms of them being able to live out a goal or a dream. So May, May's parents, they had to put so much money into uh, sending her to school. And there's a lot of instability on whether they're going to be able to keep the house. Yeah. Um, there's the, the hard truths about just having to work a really crappy dead end job. Um to keep your family afloat like the situation that that b is in currently she feels like she's tied now to that pickaxe job because yeah. her father is incompetent he's kind of just given up on things and so she feels responsible for him now and she has to make the choice for the preservation of what family she has left to keep yeah. that together versus living out her own life and dreams so a lot of those choices end up in this idea of sacrifice. And for so long in the game, May just doesn't really understand that. Yeah. Um, she's like, well, why? You always have a choice. You can always go and live out your dreams. And uh, I think that was like the high point of the argument that she has with B, because B just is like, you're such a child. How do you still think that I have a choice in any of this? Yeah. Like, this is my life now. Yeah. That actually kind of makes me wonder if, like, because, like, when you're speaking through may and like she can only say like shitty things i'm wondering if it's because like she doesn't currently have like the capacity to think in like any other way and she's like only like viewing it from like not martyrdom but like very like everything is like very like woe is me and she's just trying to like not trying but like it's just like very hurtful and i think it's just kind of like the stasis that she's stuck in Absolutely. So um, in living with so many people that have kind of severe mental health issues, um, when you're kind of stuck in that kind of loop of, you know, you ha- you're just filled with so much anxiety and fear that you can't possibly think about anybody else right now. Yeah. So when, when you have like like a panic attack, for instance, sometimes you say or do shit that like you really wish you had more control over. Yeah. Um, in the moment, you kind of feel like your body is or your mouth is speaking for you and you feel kind of stuck inside of your body. Yeah. You know, um, like when I have kids that suddenly have like 
a moment where they've said something really awful or they've done something that's really uncharacteristic of them. Um, a lot of people say, you know, it's about the choices that you make. You made a bad choice. Well, I mean, sometimes, depending on what a person is dealing with, they don't really have a choice. That's just an automatic response from their yeah. body. Um, they're going into like self-preservation mode. And so maybe they are going to say something really shitty or maybe they're going to do something um, that they feel like they want to control, but they can't. Yeah. Now, I feel like that could be a lot of May's problem. But her issue is, for a long time, she doesn't hold herself accountable for those actions yeah. and the things that she says. Not until much later in the game when she finally starts to grow. I don't know. I I don't know if this is like the case or not. But I feel like when somebody's like not addressing like whatever like issues they're having like inside themselves, they just like they're they're just like, oh, I'm sorry. Like this is how it is. You know, and it's just like they, yeah, right. accountability is just like severely lacking. And like, yeah, now that you brought this up, that's for sure. Like where the majority of her like communication issues come from. In the yeah. Beginning, so the, the <laughs> it, it's so weird. Like you see so many people that, you know, like in these characters, like. Yeah. And I guess like one of May's like hugest problems is that she at like really not until like the end is she like actually like honest about what's going on but i think that's partially she doesn't like totally understand what's happening too yeah like when she finally opens up i think it's to be they're like on the couch and it's like after they had the first run in with the cult and things are like really really like scary and on edge and like everything's uncertain at that point i think it's like one of those crucial moments where she feels like if she doesn't say it now she's not ever gonna say it yeah like what's going on with her exactly um and when she has that moment with me on the couch, you really get a perfect picture of why she left school. I also think that they kind of like really summarize well, like, I don't know, because she's like, you know, like in a band and she has like, she's obviously like creative. I think that like, it's so hard to like be like a creative person or like a musician or something. And then just like having to like address like how damaging your mental health is to yourself because you're scared that it's like tied directly to like the work you produce and like I don't think they really like talk about this but it's definitely something that's like very real and like very present and I mean there's people who like you know just like romanticize like Kurt Cobain's journals when really it's Mm -hmm. just like watching someone like fucking spiral out of control and it's like nothing to like necessarily like look up to or like idolize and i think like that connection is just like something that'll never go away and it just like hurts everyone so much no you're you're absolutely right like i talk about this in my class when we cover van gogh and starry night i mean you're absolutely correct like it's not just an american thing it's like an international thing we've somehow devolved into romanticizing these artists who ended their lives yeah um and we cherish their music and say, oh, well, they wouldn't have been as great if they didn't have these issues. Yeah. And they kind of chalk it up to like, oh, you can't be a great artist unless you have severe depression. Exactly. Uh, because that's what made them special. And yeah. yeah. And it's just such a sick and twisted way to look at those things. Like for so many people that I know, including myself, like art making and the act of creation, that that is 
the coping mechanism, yeah. especially if you don't have access to formal health care. Like that, that was their way of trying to understand what was going on with them without ha- having those direct conversations yeah, like you would sure. with your therapist, um, you know? Um, so I always try to tell my kids, like, I'm glad that you're taking an art class, but don't take this class if you're romanticizing these artists who struggled yeah. really hard no, totally. uh, with life. That is not the way to go about looking at art. And no, just because... And yeah, that's yeah. a very good thing that you're doing. Because, like, throughout my, like education like it was always something that was covered but like I mean like we had like an on-campus like therapist or whatever but like having like the time to go or like being able to like tell someone that you like feel bad was like so Mm -hmm. like impossible and like I didn't go on medication for anything until like well after college because like I was scared that like I wouldn't be able to like produce the work that I was if I like leveled out which is crazy and like I don't like get why it's not a thing that's like addressed more within like art education so it's like extremely beneficial that that's something you bring up to your kids because it's like it needs to stop yeah no and you're you're absolutely not alone in having those thoughts it seems like it's totally nonsensical and it's 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 so damaging to yourself so why would you try to put yourself in that situation where you're not getting help because you feel like that so much of your creative worth is built on that yeah like I feel that too like absolutely I feel that um you feel almost pressured not to seek help because Uh, so much of your validation kind of rests upon the things that you build and create and you share with others. I mean, I, I absolutely feel that. Yeah. And it's wrong, but you know, it's an honest feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely recommend, um, on this topic, uh, specifically about mental illness and artists and creative types, um, check out Hannah Gadsby's show on Netflix. Oh yeah. She's great comedian she's from new zealand and she has this whole bit about van gogh and about how some like fucker after one of her shows when she talked about like van gogh and his mental health and everything and he's like well i mean if he had gotten therapy and medication he wouldn't have been able to have the emotional capacity to make the sunflowers we wouldn't have the sunflowers are starting night today if he wouldn't have you know had all these issues yeah. that he didn't seek help for and she's like fucker he did seek help most of the portraits that he made was were of his doctors that yeah. prescribed him medication so he was actively trying to seek help yeah. it just wasn't great enough exactly at the time it, it's pretty crazy but definitely check that out because yeah. i think it's really relevant to uh what what we're saying but also you know part of the heart of of this game yeah totally in summary, glad we talked about this and didn't make any coronavirus jokes. Yes. And we also didn't really talk about our periods, even though I have had cramps this whole time we've been talking. Oh, no. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> That's the Easter egg of the episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh. But yeah, yeah, I hope everyone learned a lot. Um, let's see. Where can you... You can, like, follow them on Instagram. They have a Facebook. Uh, You can join their Patreon. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you can donate to them every month and then someday uh, they'll reimburse me for the $35 I spent on shipping t-shirts. But also maybe not. It's fine. There's a Discord. I just joined the Discord today and my username is not Monica. (laughs) I thought it was very funny. I didn't realize it was like a chat room, but it is. Discord is cool. Yeah, uh, I borrow his laptop so many times because mine died, and I'll just get, like, almost, like, all of the time, I'll hear these little dings, and it's, like, notifications on the (laughs) Discord, and I'll just pop in just to see what people are talking about, and I'm like, damn, this is a great club, I want to be a part of this, this is (laughs) so cute and hilarious. Yeah, I know, I'm always like, who the fuck are you texting all the time, and then, like, now I, like, know it's Discord, and I, like love it it's like very endearing they have like a very like uh cute cute little club going on i like joined it because we put out the sinking city episode today and i was like joking about how i was gonna lurk it and then like i didn't know that like when i joined they would be like oh monica's here and i was like oh fuck because i just wanted to like whisper in and just kind of like look at everything to see if anybody was like wow monica's so stupid but uh so far that hasn't (laughs) (laughs) but maybe it will this time (laughs) yeah i mean everybody just seems so nice and pleasant yeah i i just love it exactly yeah no it's a it's a good little good little thing they got going here um, but yeah, so you can donate to their Patreon, and I actually don't need that $35 back. It's cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're doing good, good work. Our boys doing good for themselves. Uh, it's especially relevant now because the more games they play, um, the more time all of us can spend uh, doing stuff in separate rooms, which is something that I feel... <laughs> It's very needed right now. <laughs> Just because our apartment is very small. I feel super bad because like for the first like couple days that I worked from home, like Ellie and I were pretty much like working like back to back and like I would just like mm-hmm. sigh really hard but because like my job is hard <laughs> I'm like yeah. miserable enough because I was like pissed and he'd be like, What's wrong? I'm sorry. And he has like a mechanical <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> so oh, like any typing is one? like so loud oh but it's like yes. that's not what I was mad about I'm mad that I'm like had to like lay everyone off <laughs> I don't know but yeah uh, yeah donate to the Patreon maybe Zero Brightness will buy me a mechanical keyboard <laughs> just kidding I don't want nice. one <laughs> no do it do it do I want one of the light up ones <laughs> <laughs> yes they like change colors yeah. it's so relaxing exactly a little annoying yeah but overall relaxing yeah exactly but yeah so cool i think we're all set again i have been monica colsa i've been here with Lacey townsend um the zero the better halves of zero brightness (laughs) okay i don't have anything cool to say at the end so i think we can just be done yeah bye (laughs)